Perfect. Awesome. Welcome back to Dedicated to Growth. Today, I am here with Pam Campbell, who is an amazing women's fitness coach, women empowerment coach. She helps women feel confident, beautiful, naked, have incredible transformations, which we are so here for. Um, and today, we're going to dig deep about self-love and self-confidence and how fitness can help you build upon both those things. So welcome, Pam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, I always love to start the each podcast episode off kind of talking about your story. So maybe your life growing up and how you got into fitness. So let's dig deep, dive on in. Sounds good. So I am a 70s baby. I was born in 1971. So this was back when... Um, we didn't have internet. We didn't have cell phones. There, you know, it was like so much different of a life than what we have now. And um, I didn't have the warm, fuzzy upbringing that a lot of other people had, but I didn't know I didn't have that, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like what you don't know until you know. <laughs> so, um, so I didn't really know I that I had a bad upbringing until I was actually personal training a woman. Um, I think I was 23. Was I 23? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I actually remember her name. Um, her name is Michelle and she had four kids. And um, I, I can't remember how old I was. It was probably in 1995, I think. 596. Well, anyways, it was late 90s. It's all that matters. <laughs> and I'm training her and she starts telling me about how she's got all these things to do for her kids. And remember, she was four. And I was like, listen, I'm like, and I literally said to her, why do you do so much for your kids? And she, I know she she gave that me that insane. And she goes, and she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, cause my mom didn't do anything like that for me. My mom told me like the world doesn't, her world doesn't revolve around me. So like, I didn't understand that. And that's when I realized, oh, moms are actually supposed to love their kids and show love. And I, and that was like probably my first inclination of that. Honestly, yeah, wow, that's insane. That's pretty crazy. So even when you were like in high school and like around friends and other families, you didn't ever feel like, oh, maybe I'm different or I grew up different. Um, you know, I I think I was kind of oblivious. Yeah. Honestly, I, and I, I really wasn't around a lot of my friends and their parents. I don't know. I think my, at that time, that era, it was just different. We we played outside. It's yeah. like, you know, like, I don't know. It was just different. So I, did I know my friend's parents? Yes. But it's not like we hung out. It's not like we sat around and chatted with them. So yeah. I didn't really experience a lot of my friends with their family to see like, oh, wow. I like their moms are different than mine. But I also think that a lot of the seventies moms are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I've actually, I've heard that before quite a bit. Um, That's like the generation right before mine, <laughs> but I have really heard that. And did you feel, well, did you have a, like a close relationship with your mom or with your parents or was it very separate? Wow. You're the kid and we're the adults, like you do your own thing. Um, I, so I'm a cancer and cancers are very nurturing, loving, like I want to be a part. And so I think as a, just being who I was naturally, 
I, tr I wanted to be like that. And um, they were not affectionate at all. Like I didn't get the mom that would like play with your hair, or hug you or any of that. And I think I was needing that, but didn't know I needed it. And then, um, and so it's, it's interesting to look back now and I, it, so I'm going to be 52 and I'm now dealing, I'm now in therapy, believe it or not, because <laughs> I really have, I put it off for so many years and I kept saying I'm fine because I didn't realize, like I just kept burying it and a part of me just didn't want to deal with it. And then I think, you know, a lot of women my age, we just suppress a lot of feelings because we really didn't have anyone to talk to. And back then it's not something you did. Plus there wasn't, there wasn't all this stuff out there for you, you yeah. know, like, all your generation you have it's it's good and bad it's like you have right it's like you have all this stuff at your fingertips that can be good but yet it's so much bad too yeah there's I think there's just so much information that it it feels like okay should I just be this spiritual wellness energy person or should I be this like hardcore entrepreneur like there's so many identities you can take but I think the the problem with like social media and like niching down, like you'll see one person has like this intense personality and one person is this like energy shaman guru is humans are fluid. You know, we're constantly changing. We're not just one thing. So it's, it's hard to feel like you have an identity if you're trying to just be one thing. And I think, I mean, I do think it's a generational thing, but I also think like, I grew up in a family too, um, to kind of get off that. My, my family life was different. My mom was definitely more open and affectionate towards me and my sister, but she was not an affectionate person and she was not good at expressing her emotions. So as I've had relationships, and again, I'm in my, my mid twenties. So as I've had relationships, I was in a five-year relationship from 15 to 20, and then a four-year relationship. And then now I'm in another relationship. As I've had relationships long-term, I went to therapy during my second relationship because I recognize I, I suck at expressing my, I don't even know how I'm feeling half the time. So I would just not, not even talk about my emotions. So I think it's, it, it's a generational thing, but it can definitely be passed down too. I think I definitely got that from my mom. It's so funny that you said that because I literally said to the therapist that I have now, um, that I, I, I want you to help me to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they were like, okay. And they're like, you, you do feel, I'm like, no, I, I don't know. I, I know how to, I'm like, I no, I don't know. I know how to feel excited and happy. And, but it's not like I, I, I ever sit there and I'm like, how am I feeling right now? Yeah. How do I feel right now? You know, you know, yeah. you know what I hundred percent. And I think, cause I've thought a lot about the same thing. I think it is generally a coping mechanism you develop like early in life, right? Where you're like, I'm just this happy, positive person. Like that's my identity. And that's definitely who you are. And it's who I am as well. Like we both are happy people. We show up very positively, but it is, I find it same thing, very difficult to like interpret my emotions and like explaining to other people how I feel. Totally. It, it feels impossible. It's like, that's, and I could talk to anyone. I could talk to a door, but when someone asked me how yeah. you feel about this, I shut down every time. <laughs> I'm the same exact way. That's hilarious. I literally, when someone says, ask me that question, how, how does that make you feel? I'm like, fuck that question. 
question. <laughs> Why is it so hard to answer that? Because it's like you should you should be able to recognize that in yourself, but it's like it's so hard to look at yourself yeah. in the mirror and be like, this is how I'm feeling and this is how I'm dealing with it. Like yeah, it yeah. I know. So I totally resonate with that. And then I think, you know, so we lucky for you that you had all these long-term relationships. Whereas, so I went from, I, I think because when I was a kid, I just, I, listen, every human is like this. I, at least I truly believe every human wants love, right? Every human, every living and organism, anything love is the main, it, that's what we all have in common is love. So we all want it. We want to give it same thing. So when you're a kid and you're not getting it, what do you do? You seek it. Yeah. And I didn't even know I was seeking it. And then as soon as a boy would like me or show me some attention, I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Granted, it might not have been what I really wanted, right? Because here you have this guy giving you attention and you're like, oh my God, they like me. I'm so excited. I'll do anything to have it. It's very much like drugs, if you will, because, you know, or people that are um, binge eaters, they, it's like you get that dopamine from love, food, drugs. I think it, I think of it all as the same. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I totally agree. That was, and I think that's something that everyone can relate to. I mean, we're all looking for that, like quick, quick dopamine yeah. hit, that hit of like validation. And I think when you're in those like formative years, so to say, like high school, especially, I was the same way. I never, I was never into drugs, never into alcohol, but I think I wanted to feel normal and I wanted to feel loved. And I thought that would come from like attention from the right guys. And yeah. It, and it is it is a validation that people search for, even if you're not outwardly thinking about it. Like I, I can definitely relate to what you're saying. And it's very hard to be aware. Of. Oh, I, I agree. And that's what I think if I could choose the 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 market that or the avatar that I want to work with, I'll be honest, I would I would much rather work with 16 to 25 year olds because that to me is I can give them what I needed, you know, and I, I could change there. So I, right now I have one girl that I've been working with since she was, um, she's now 22 and she was 19 when I started with her and I've changed her life. Yeah. Like literally, I mean, she tells me that. And, and, um, and then I had uh, a couple other younger girls that I worked with when they were 16 and got them through high school. And again, they, um, I've changed their lives. And that to me is the most rewarding, but unfortunately those type of people don't have money to invest in themselves. Yeah. So I, it's, you know, I, I wish I could work with more of that because I truly believe that I can change them and make them a confident. So they don't, you know, pour themselves out to look for that love so that they have more confidence. So they can seek out the career that they really truly want. They're not afraid and all of those things. Like that's what my, yeah. my true passion is. I love that. And I think you do a really great job in like your content and what you share of sharing, like what working on yourself and fitness and self-development can bring. I mean, I think that's what we all try to do is share that like fitness is something that can really build you up. And I can definitely relate to that. One of, it's so crazy. One of my first clients I ever had, I was an in-person trainer. I think I was 19 when I started coaching, but 
she was 16 and I worked with her all the way up until she was 20. And it is just, it's such a crazy thing to witness as well, because you change so much between the time you're 16 and 20 years old. Like I was a completely different person from 16 to 20. Like, and people look at these kids or girls and they're, they say, oh, you're so young. Like you're going to change so much. But like those years are crazy because 20 to 25, yes, you change quite a bit, but it's not as dramatic. And 20 to 25 to 30, it's like your life is going to change quite a bit, but you don't change as much. Those years, 16 to 20, like teenager to adult is incredible to see. Yeah. I have to say, I actually did change quite a bit. If you had met me at 25 compared to how I am now, you would have, I am such a different person. I was, I might still be somewhat gullible, but I was really naive and gullible. And I was such a goody two shoes. Um, What I'm telling you, like never did drugs, barely like, I, I mean, when I say drank, I drank like most people that age. Right. So it wasn't like abusive or anything. Um, and I was just, uh, in, but I was insecure. Um, I was actually married at you're what, how old are you? I'm 25. Yeah. I was married already. Um, oh. I, I got married at, he proposed to me the day before I turned 21. Wow. So you got yeah. married at like 21, 22. Yeah. I don't count my marriages. So, you know, how people say, um, I, so this is actually very funny. So, you know, uh, yoga people, how they, they call yoga, their they practice. Yeah. Which I don't, I, I, I don't understand that. I'm like, I don't say that I, I work out and I practice workouts. I just work out. You do yoga. You're not practicing. You do it. Like, I don't get it. But anyway. <laughs> I like that tangent. We're going to go with that. <laughs> That's going to be our clip of the podcast. So, um, uh, wait, I, I lost my train of thought with this now. Oh, so um, you don't count your marriages. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, so my, so I call my marriages, um, cause I've been married twice practice. So that makes me an expert. Um, right. Because it's been twice. And so the first one I don't count because I was 22 when I got married, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And we, so I got married in 1994 and got divorced by, um, in the year 2000. So it wasn't quick, but it wasn't long. And then, um, I was single dating, whatever for, um, 10 years. And then here's the, this is where your audience will resonate with this. This is another thing. Yeah. This is where I think people need to know more about this because it's really not talked about a lot at the age of 34, 35 for women. Um, if you're single or you're not in a healthy relationship, I'm going to tell you right now, and and you want children, you're going to go nuts. You're going to go psycho. You're going to go nuts. Like you're not going to think straight. You're going to have a lot of moments of so many moments of uh, uncertainty, which when you're so uncertain, you're going to do things that you're not happy with or proud of. And so I, um, I was 34 dating this one guy and, um, he was four years younger than me and I loved him, but he was very, he, he, he wasn't, 
for certain, if that makes sense. Like he wasn't making me feel safe enough to choose him or he wasn't making me feel safe enough to know that we we could have a life together. So, and here's where men need to understand if you want a woman, make her feel safe so she can choose you and, and be vulnerable with you. And that, I think that's the most powerful word for any relationship is making each other feel safe, right? It's like, and when you have that, I think like you can go anywhere, but I wasn't getting that safety. and. I had one guy that was um, telling me he wanted to marry me and have kids, but he was the wrong guy, but he was saying that. And then I'm dating this guy and he's not saying that. And I was in this like little bit of a love triangle, if you will, at the age of 35. And I didn't know what to do. Um, long story short, I, I ended up with the wrong guy. And um, I did, I ended up with him and, and he ended up being an opioid addict. And I didn't know. Oh my God. So I ended up being with the wrong guy, opioid addict. And I went through, so this was at 30, I think I got married at 39 with him. And I knew, I 100% knew on my, uh, around, because we got married in Key West. I knew there, I'm like, I should not marry this man. I knew it, but I, I, I'd already paid and I paid for everything. So I had already paid. I was like, I gotta go through with it. And um, got back, I went off the pill uh, pretty quickly after that because I'm 30, I was at 38 maybe, maybe it was a 38. And the, the way healthcare works is at least in the state I was in, you're covered by insurance for fertility up until the age of 40. Oh, so you had two years or one year I only had one year oh my gosh so and some states are longer some states I think might be like New York might be 45 um but Connecticut's time was 40 so I had to get my shit together so I went started getting all the testing done while I was covered mm -hmm. and um they, they do all these, like they put dye in you. They uh, like all this stuff to make sure your tubes are good. Make sure your eggs are like everything I had. Then I even had my eggs frozen just in case. So I had, they collected, I think it was six eggs for me. So I had that frozen. Um, and I, so I, you know, I'm now married to this man and our sex life is null and void because he's yeah. on opioids. So, I mean, we would go nine months with no sex, like, and oh yeah, I mean, I, it was crazy. It was, it was such great. So anyways, long story short, I was going through fertility. Oh, you were. Okay. I decided to, because it was covered and, um, I had to do this quick. So I only had one year and without insurance, it's $25,000 for a 50% chance. Oh my gosh. So here's where women, you know, might not know is you have 20, you have to literally put 25 grand off to the side and it's a 50% chance that it will take or not. So who has that kind of money rolling around? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So I was like, I had my eggs frozen, but I didn't know what I was going to do with them because I knew I wasn't going to spend that money on that. I, I, 
I, I'm very much like if the universe wants this to happen, it will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, shoot. I, you froze. I don't know if oh, this is still. You froze. Now we're good, I think. Yep. Okay, you're back. Okay. Technical difficulties. Okay. I had no idea that insurance was like that. Wow. Now, every state is different, but I think they're all fairly similar with, with the way that works. Yeah. Um, so I, I then make him go. Finally, I didn't even tell him I was going. And I finally was like, can you go get checked out? And he finally did. 100% sterile. Oh, my gosh. So now. The opioid use. Yeah. So as a female, I'm now... Third, almost 40. And this was huge, right? Now I could have looked at this two ways. I could have said, wow, karma really got me. Right. So, but I didn't think of it that way. I looked at it like, oh, the universe really had my back. Yeah. Because if I had had children with him, I'm telling you right now, my life would have been hell because he's not a great guy. I am so glad he's out of my life. Um, but I would have been tied to him forever with children. So like I looked at it, like the universe really had my back, Yeah. but it also took away the time because I was, I stayed because he was my second marriage. I also didn't want to fail at another time. So I hung on where I should have left at that point, but I hung on. Um, I was also afraid I, he, I was going to come home and find him dead because he would have killed himself, like all these things. So I stayed in that for five years, but it was the five years that he, yeah. I, you know, I could have maybe met another man or, you know, a lot of people said to me, you know, why can't you have one on your own? Cause that's not my, that's not a choice I want to make. And to me, having a child on my own as a choice and some women are going to get mad at this, but this is my opinion. I personally think it's selfish. If I can't provide a child with a proper home and I would have to hire a full-time nanny with yeah. the work that I do. And I'm like, I don't want to do that for, for my kid. My kid deserves better. Yeah. So, so I chose. I think that is, that is such an individual choice. Everyone's going to have a different opinion. Like I, I mean, I have a lot of things I want to get back to, but personally, I, I've known a lot of girls and I have a lot of friends who were, even in high school, like I'm meant to be a mom, you know, like I grew up, I'm meant to be a mom. I always want to be a mom. I never really felt like that. I've always had people in my life say that. I think if it ever does happen, when it's supposed to happen, I will be really grateful, but I agree. I'm, I, I personally don't think I would go out of my way to make that happen if I wasn't Right. in a relationship a loving relationship where it's about to happen personally right. but yeah. that's everyone has their own opinion right exactly I know people that did seek it and had sperm donor and yeah. and by all means like if that's what you want that's great but that's not how I wanted to do it absolutely and so what was like what was your tipping point with that like what finally got you to leave oh okay <laughs> this, uh, is fun. this is always the fun part <laughs> So during this time, I was working at a gym and um, I had two people in the gym that were trying to convince me to do a figure show. Um, I'm not, I'm 
more muscular, so I can't do bikini. And so I kept saying no. And then I was going through this. I almost was depressed myself. Like I was, because I had this awful situation at home. I, I was supporting him hundred percent and I was working from six o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock at night. And then I'd go out at night because I didn't want to be home. So it was like this. So any, anyways, um, they talked me into doing it, my first figure show and I did it turning 40. That's incredible. Yeah. And that was probably the, really what changed my life was doing that figure show. Honestly, it was the best thing I could have done for myself. Just because you did it for you and only you, or was, did you have coaches during that? Or I did have coaches. Um, yep. Yeah, I had coaches and <laughs> they didn't tell me the show that I was doing. Um, this is how good of friends they were. <laughs> um, it's probably good that they didn't tell me. Cause I, I think if I had known, I would have been even more freaked out. Uh, my first show was worlds. Oh my gosh. Like That's I was competing incredible. against, yeah, I competed against, it was a huge show. It was in Atlantic city, um, New Jersey. And, um, it was, I mean, huge. There was probably 50 girls in the category. I mean, it was a huge show. And uh, I was in, I think it was by height and then age and then experience. I think those were the three categories. Yeah. So, um, and it was, this was an all natural show. Okay. I do remember that because I had to take a lie detector test. They made you take a polygraph at a bodybuilding yeah. competition. Oh, yeah. that is crazy. And, and you know, one of the questions they asked you is, have you ever cheated on a high school test? And I was like, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I would not have made it through high school Spanish without cheating. <laughs> that was really the only class that I cheated, but probably every single Spanish three class was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever cheated on a test? I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yes. Please don't look at me. <laughs> That is so funny. I would not have thought so. They they probably do a bunch of questions unrelated to kind of get um get like a baseline with your heart rate. That is too funny. Yeah, that's great. So you did this show, which meant you probably had so much time like out of the house with yourself only, and like focusing on your goals. Do you think that helped you helped you like build up the confidence maybe to like just do oh, it on your own? Hundred percent. I can't tell you. So, um, one, I looked amazing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't place or anything like that, but I, I'm going to say I looked amazing. Like that was the best. You should say it. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I also, so I did the show and I was turning 40. And so since then, every year for my birthday, I make it a goal to try to look better than I did the previous year. So it's now been 12. It will. Oh my God. The end of June is my next birthday. So it will now be 12 years. I've been doing this and I've been, I've been holding Looking on better and better every year. I, I'm trying. <laughs> I love that. I think, I mean, one of the biggest parts of my fitness journey that I talk about all the time is how just having something that you're so dedicated on and focused with for yourself, like that you're not doing for anything else, build your self-confidence so much, which I'm sure you see in your clients all the time. So do you think this was just like a pivotal point in your life where you finally had something like just for you? Um, I think so. Plus it was something that 
it was probably the first thing that I ever did and I finished it. Yeah. So yeah. I started and I finished and there's been many things where I would start and not finish or say I was going to do. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said I was going to do 75 hard and then I don't know, something happens. And I'm like, <laughs> I have done 75 hard. I did it once. And you know what? I actually side note, my opinion on 75 hard. I think if you're someone who's very seasoned with fitness and you want an extra challenge, go ahead, do it. It's a great challenge. If you're a beginner in fitness, don't do 75 hard. I just think it's way too extreme. I've had a lot of clients who are like, I want to do it. My friends are doing it. And they end up doing like a quarter of it. So that's my opinion on 75 hard. But I do think that's a really important kind of topic in general is that a lot of people, the reason why they're not confident in themselves or their ability to reach their goals is because they keep saying like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to start tomorrow. And when you keep saying that and putting it out into the universe and then not following through, you're really just reiterating to yourself that you're not capable of following through when you actually are. Right. And you're always letting yourself down. And when you repeat and repeat and repeat, let yourself down, it's, that's where you say, I don't have motivation. Yeah. Yes. The good old motivation, right? Right, right. Cause you're not always going to be motivated. And especially when you keep letting yourself down and again, the most important relationship in your entire life is the relationship you have to yourself. So if you keep promising yourself, you're going to do something and you can't follow through. First of all, I don't believe you can have successful relationships with other people unless you have follow through and self-respect with yourself. And I also think you really tear yourself down when you make commitments to yourself and you're consistently not able to follow through. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And the, I do think one of the, one of the hardest like things to break through and believe me, I've been there myself. I'm talking about all these things from experience. Cause I've done all of them. <laughs> I've made promises to myself and not followed through. I stayed in relationships way too long past what I should have. Like I've done all the mistakes. I'm probably still going to make many, many more mistakes because we're humans and we do that. Of course. Yeah. But I recognize one of the, one of the best things I can do is either not make promises unless I'm going to come up with a plan and put that plan into action right away. I, it, it's as, as little as like the small things. Like if you wake up in the, or if you set the intention before bed that you're going to like wake up in the morning and go right to the gym wake up in the morning and don't think about it for more than five seconds. You already made the commitment. So just, yeah. do it. Like, we just wait too long to take action. And that's when we end up holding ourselves back. I, I agree. I can't tell you how many times I, and, and we're people that have, whether it's motivation or just discipline, right? We have that, yeah. but there are days I, I can definitely say there's been more than 10 times where I've been dressed for the gym all day and never got there. <laughs> I'm always dressed for the gym. I'm not going to the gym today. I'm always dressed for the gym. But absolutely. Or even just like when I keep telling myself I'm going to go to the gym, sometimes I've even sat in the parking lot of the gym for like 15, 20 minutes and like played the music really loud, gone in, walked on the treadmill for 10 minutes and left. Like, <laughs> like there's definitely been times where I've made myself go. And it's just like, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And that's okay. I think I talk about that with my clients all the time. I'm sure you do too. Like perfectionism is truly what could ruin your fitness journey if you take it to too much of an extreme. Yes, definitely. I, I, you know, my thing is 
and usually for me, once I get there, I'm fine and I'm into it, but there are going to be times, especially with, with the female cycle where you're exhausted, right? It, that does happen and you have to listen to your body and know, and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. A day off, an extra two days off in a week out of two months, three months, six months is not going to do anything to your progress. It probably will even help your progress. if you're. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely agree. But I know even for myself, um, as a seventies baby, I would do, you know, 60, usually it was like 60 minutes of cardio. I would lift weights, but it was never heavy. Um, so I was just lifting and I was never really doing a program. It was just, I would just be, I would do the exact same thing always. I mean, here I am a trainer and I didn't even know, I wasn't even working out the right way myself, but this is going back so many years ago and I was eating around 12, 12 to 1500 calories. I can't tell you how many doctors I went to seeking for them to tell, I, it was like, I wanted them to tell me I was sick or there was something I kept saying, check my thyroid, check yeah. it, check the thyroid. Cause it, I know something's not working, but not one doctor ever said to me, are you eating enough food? Yeah. Are you eating enough carbs? Are you eating enough protein? I mean, I did the same exact thing when I was um, in high school and I started getting into the gym. It's it's funny because there's a lot of parallels, even though you are 25 years older than me, but there's a lot of parallels. I I that was like the age of like Victoria's Secret models and like Cosmopolitan was huge where they do the the like this is the workout of the week and like follow this Victoria's Secret model workout. And it's all these like very, very high rep and body weight, like kind of uh-huh. workouts and then the follow the 1200 calorie diet of grapefruit and egg whites and that whole time period. And I did the same thing. And there was a lot more, I will say there was a lot more accessibility to knowledge, like when social media started, but at the beginning with social media, it wasn't like that. It was still the same diet culture propaganda that, I mean, we still see that today, but it is, it's getting better for sure. Right. It's really funny because I mean, even in, in our circle, like I'll see people, some people's content and I'm like, wow, there's, they're saying wrong things and yet they have a a huge, it drives me nuts. Or even just like the over, I think in a lot of ways, like, of course we have to simplify things when we're speaking to our clients, right? We want them to understand, but the oversimplification, like you want to lose your arm fat, (laughs) like things like that, like pointing to the certain area and then showing a tricep extension, like that can also be kind of dam- damaging because you do, I mean, people do tend to like infer these things like, oh, if I just do tricep extensions, I'm going to lose my body fat and I'm going to have to, right, right. you know, and I, I think a lot of content and I, I mean, I see it too in, in our circle on TikTok, just in general is it's really damaging. And that's, that's what I saw when I first got started in fitness. I didn't see it on social media. I saw it in the magazines, but it was the same idea as like, you want to lose your side fat, do this. Oh my God. Yeah. And we still see that today. I mean, you guys see it on TikTok. And again, I think the it's, it's hard sometimes when you're creating content too, because I do think it's, um, if you do the very catchy, simplified version, that's what gets more eyes on it. But uh, you and I are quite similar. I, I would feel like I'm cheating people out of an actual response. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I have such a hard time doing a video that's seven seconds long. Same. My videos aren't seven seconds long. It just never, 
yeah. never yeah. happens like that. Um, but I really wanted you to talk about kind of your journey to self-confidence because you are such a confident, amazing example for women, like to help empower women in their personal life and fitness journey. So what are like a couple tips that you have or what has helped you in your self-confidence journey? Um, I would say it's really about getting vulnerable with yourself, being able to be vulnerable and, and share has made me stronger. So, and, and, and when I mean, the more I, I find that I, I speak and I'm vulnerable, it, it kind of gives me that, that's, that's Wonder Woman power, if you will. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but it it's like, and I'm very much, my love language is, has shifted all the, throughout the years, right? You, you evolve and you grow. So my love language now is affirmations and val- like va- being validated. So when I have, when I'm vulnerable and someone comes to me and says, wow, that was really, you know, y- y- your words really helped me. I'm like, that, that's like my, my juice that helps me. Um, and it's back. If that was when I was in my twenties, I think I would have been more of the, in, in fear and denial where like, Oh, Oh no, it didn't really help them. Like, I, I don't know. It was more like this. Whereas now I'm like, bring it on, like, bring it to me. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, being vulnerable deepens connections so much. Mm-hmm. like all the people who are reading that and relating it to themselves, like they're going to feel a deeper connection to you. They're going to share it with you. So, I mean, words of affirmation, I like words. I'm, I like words of affirmation too. It's not my top, but it's my second. Um, and I think a part of words of affirmation, it's probably because we didn't get a lot of it as children, but, but it does really deepen your connection because when you get the words of affirmation, you generally will return it and then you'll talk deeper about it. And you do connect on a deeper level when you're, opening up vulnerably. Right. But they were, I, I think before this whole evolution of, of my confidence, words of affirmation made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, probably because you didn't believe didn't, that you were worthy of it. That, and I never heard those words. So it was awkward. Even now, if someone gives me a compliment, like, you know, when guys are hitting on me and um, the first compliment is great, but when they repeat the same, com- I'm like, yo, stop it. Like now you're just being annoying. Like not, I heard you the first two times, like knock it off. So, um, but I'm now able to say that without fear of them running because yeah. now, now I don't care if they run because then they weren't the right one. And that's the other thing with confidence is I think also I had a fear of people leaving and I really truly believe in the universe. Um, okay. So, um, and I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks. That's, mm-hmm. that's also what's I think helped my, my evolution, if you will, or help me evolve. And, and I just really think like people come into your lives for reasons and they'll come and they go for reasons. And I, and so now I kind of like, whatever you want, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, and that really helps with confidence because now I'm not like thinking it's oh I did something wrong or I I fucked up or whatever it is like I I, does that am I making sense yeah I think yeah like a big 
like nugget that I took away from that. Cause I think I used to be the person who I would not let people go. Like I was so clung, like I would cling on to people, whether friendships, relationships, even when they weren't serving me at all, because I was like, I was scared of how I would feel like that. I would feel like it was my fault if they left. But once you mm-hmm. let that go, just like you were saying, it's so empowering because you, I truly came to a point I had, so I had a therapist a couple years ago. I went in therapy in my second relationship because that was a very toxic, emotionally abusive relationship. And I went into therapy because I was like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> like, where did, where did I go wrong? How did I attract this into my life? And one of the things she had me do, she was like, write a list, like of all the qualities that you really want in a partner. And I wrote this so it was so long, like the littlest silly things. Like I want to have dance parties in the kitchen when we cook dinner, like these like little silly things. And the list was so long. And my boyfriend now is the man I'm going to marry for sure. And every single thing on that list, like when we started dating, I sent it to him. I was like, so what are you going to check off? What are you not? And he was like, oh my God, I have the same list. And he did. He had a list of all the qualities he wanted. And it was pretty much the same, but point being, I really do think you attract what you are and you attract what you want in your life, but you have to first, you have to step into that. Like you can't be someone who lays on the couch eating potato chips all day saying, I want a fit boyfriend who goes to the gym. Like that's just, you have to attract what you are and the universe is listening. Even if I do, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, what's really funny about what you just said is not even joking. I made my list Monday night. This past Monday. Pretty God. Dude, that's crazy. So I, when I did it, it was like, I was in, I was in a really like emotionally abusive, toxic relationship. I was super unhappy with myself. I was, un, I was unhappy with myself because I stayed in something that was so toxic. And I wrote this long, I wrote it in the notes of my phone. I probably still have it. And it was so long. I was like, this is so extra. Like, there's no way I'm going to meet someone. And then my boyfriend now is someone I've known for five years. And so it's not like it's some random person off the street, but it just, I mean, the, the love story happened, the whole thing happened, but <laughs> it just, you would, you really do. And years ago, I wouldn't have been in a place to attract that because I was still accepting so much bullshit. <laughs> right, 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 right. I agree a hundred percent. And I got very specific on this list as well. Um, I did put good dancer, but I didn't put dancing parties in the kitchen, which I do want. <laughs> So maybe I need to go back and write that down. <laughs> I had so many things. I had so many little things. I was, I think I even had like, let's me play my music in the car. Um, let's, like a really little, just like, I think it was mainly like I was venting about things I was super unhappy with in that relationship. Uh, but I swear he, my, my now boyfriend, every single thing on the list, like I could not ask for more. Like I'm so insanely grateful for our relationship and I'm, I've also never been in a relationship where I said, I will marry that guy one day, ever. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, and I think that's where people go wrong so much is that they, what I keep saying is I want equal, meaning that I want to love and adore this person and I want the same back. Whereas I've been in such off sides where I like them more, they liked me more. It's never been, I've never had this... I've never been in an equal relationship, not once. So I really want to, my last one, I want it to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had like, I mean, I'm 
I'm obviously very young, but I had gotten to a point when I broke up with my last boyfriend, found out he was unloyal, unfaithful. And I was like, I'm done. I was like, I, I didn't even date. I didn't go on one day after that. I was like, I'm done. Like, it'll happen when it happens. I didn't think I would end up alone, but I was like, right. I'm done trying. I'm done looking for someone. I'm done going on dates. Like, it just, it wasn't appealing to me at all. And once I had like accepted that and just put it out, I was like, when it happens, it happens. And it, I had this weird idea that I already knew them too. I was like, I feel like I've already met him or I know him. And I, I didn't know who, I didn't know what. And I, I really think I just had to get to that place in my life where I was so happy, so content. And I, you've, you've heard people say this, right? Like you have to be happy with yourself and love yourself. And I was always like, oh, I like myself. Like it's fine. But I got to a place where I was so fine and happy being alone that like, it just naturally blossomed. And we do have equal love and respect. And I do think that's something that's, well, okay, hear, hear this out. So on one of the first, probably first couple months of us dating, my boyfriend is incredibly emotionally intelligent. <laughs> and he came to me, uh, he was reading a book and it was about how women need love and men need respect. Have you ever heard of this theory? Uh-huh. Like, if men feel respected, they can give love easier. And if uh, women feel loved, they'll respect their partner, right? Mm-hmm. And if one of those things are off balance, the whole relationship is off balance. And I was like, yes, mind blown, but yes. Thank you, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, obviously women need respect, too, but that, like, that comes with it. <laughs> right. No, I, I understand what you're saying now. There's, because men, men and women are different you know, it's in, and I, this is, well, this could be a whole nother podcast, but I also have a, uh, a philosophy on marriage and why so many marriages fail. And that's a whole nother topic. Oh, I'm, I would love to dive into that. Do you have your own podcast? Then? You know, I did, and I have 50 episodes on it and I'm, I want to get back to doing it, but, um, I got to figure out how to, download and edit and all that because I just don't want to pay someone else (laughs) I can show you how to do it it's really easy if you do it on I'll I'll show you how to do it after um and but I think that would be a great podcast episode why most marriages fail because it is a crazy statistic if you look at it like I before this relationship I always said like "Eh, I don't really know if marriage interests me or like I don't know if I'll actually get married one day now I'm like, I, I understand it because <laughs> I'm finally with someone who is an equal, right? Doesn't treat me like crap. Amazing. Woo. We love that. Um, <laughs> what a concept. Right. Um, but I do think that like, it's pretty crazy when you look at like the statistics in America of marriages. Yeah. And I, you know, and I've been in personal training for 30 years. I've worked with thousands thousands of people men and women so i've legit have heard all spectrums so i came up with my own philosophy on this and it and i'm gonna say it's not gonna be a philosophy that women like (laughs) okay now you have you now you have to tell us (laughs) so this is how i this is my why i think most marriages fail is that I, I, I'm going to put the blame if the, if you blame someone on women. And the reason why is 
this, this is going to create a lot of a lot of controversy, but um, I think women get resentful towards their men for having babies. One, that's one thing. They, it's like they want to have the kids and then they have, and then they're mad. Yeah. They're, they're, they're resentful towards them. It's kind of like, well, I'm the one that had to carry them. I'm the one that, well, yeah, that's like, cause you're a female and you have a vagina. So yes, you carry them, but, but they hold this resentment that it fucked up their bodies and they blame them. So that's one. And yeah, I mean, I cannot even relate to like what women go through when yeah, me either. get pregnant and give birth. So I can't, I, I don't even know how I'd feel, but I know it would be a lot of ups and downs in that journey. And I'm just going off of, again, what women have said to me. So I, this is uh, just me listening. This is what I've taken in. So again, this isn't like what I've gone through because I've not had children. Um, two, I think women also want men to mind be mind readers. It's like they they get mad when a man doesn't know how they're feeling. And men are and and I've I've had this discussion with women and men. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And men will say, we are not we are dumb. Like men are very black and white women are very fuzzy and gray, right? Like we're all this emotion and men are very much like it's this or this. And men want to be told. And it's not that they want to be told what to do. They don't want to guess. They just want to be told. It's the same thing with sex. Just tell them what to do. I've had a, I had one client who had four children. She was super bossy, but yet she literally told me she's never orgasmed. Like, I don't understand. Like, you, you're, you're so bossy with your kids. You can't tell your, and because she didn't want to hurt his feelings. You don't think that man, like you're, you're just doing him a disservice. Oh my God. Yeah. You're doing him a disservice and you're doing your relationship a disservice and your disservice. Of course. So like, I think that, you know, there's so many women that they, they, they blame the man because they didn't have the strength to tell them what they were feeling. And they, it's like, they wanted them to guess. So they, there's all this resentment. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I can definitely, even just in my past relationships and what I've heard from girlfriends and clients, it, I think that's a very common theme for probably men and women. If you think about it, like, I think it's really hard for most people to really express what they need and what they feel. Cause it, I mean, there's some people who are really good at that. (laughs) Very, very good. And um, when it comes to like things to do, what to do, where to go to dinner, how to make me orgasm, I am very upfront. But then when it comes to like actually saying how I feel, maybe not so much. So I definitely could see that being a reality. I I do think, um, and I'm going to try not to take too much of your time on here, but I think in my, in my first relationship, that's what happened. I mean, we grew apart. It was puppy love, like 15 to 20, but I think I never told him how much I resented the fact that like I was supporting us financially and he wasn't really working or trying and like the resentment grew over three years and then it, it was over. And I think that happens all the time in relationships. Oh, I mean, that was me too. I supported us too. You, you, you really should always have equal. I mean, there are certain circumstances that will happen. I get it. Um, but you know, and then you also have the women that 
they don't like how they look anymore. They've had kids. They let themselves go. They don't know how to prioritize themselves. So now they don't want to be touched. Men need sex for stress. Yeah. Women need sex for stress too. Well, they do. However, when you're a mom and and all you're doing is focusing on babies, I think they lose that. They lose that, that drive, not all. And I'm not saying all of them. There's hormones change so much after you give birth. I mean, I don't know from experience, but I know from working with a lot of women. I know. Yes. (laughs) But it's true. Like they, I can't tell you how many women would say to me that they do not desire sex anymore. And I'm like, and I, I I would have women that would literally say to me in a training session, Oh my God, my husband's going to be home this week. He's going to want sex. And my, and my response to that was always like, you're lucky he still wants your hairy vagina. Like and not, and not like, I hate that, <laughs> but like, seriously, they, yeah. and if you think he's not getting it from somewhere else, because you're saying no all the time, trust me, he's getting it somewhere else because they need a stress release. It's pretty crazy. I think, I mean, you've, you've worked with so many women. I'm sure you've heard all the stories. I think my demographic of women is a little bit different, but I definitely work with, I work with a lot of moms too. So I definitely see the common theme of being like, I don't have any time to prioritize myself, which is not only going to affect your marriage, but I mean, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your kids, your work, like everything in your life, which I'm sure you see all the time. All the time. I, and I think just some women don't, they get to a point they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, I mean, I mean, that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? And that like victim mentality of like, oh, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like I'm already at my rock bottom. Like who even cares? Right, 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 right. Oh, well, okay. I want to ask you one last question. And <laughs> I think, again, you've worked with thousands of people. You've helped change so many lives and um, I'll put in the description where to find Pam on Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. Um, but what would be like three tangible tips to like getting, like starting your glow up? Like whether you are a mom with four kids, whether you just broke up with a toxic boyfriend or left a, a addict husband, like what are your three tips for like starting your glow up era? Um, I think the most important, really the only tip one thing is to make the decision to do it. It's really deciding that I want to have a glow up. It's the decision of changing your life because once you make that decision and take action, right. It all falls into place. So for me, I would just say it's the decision. Make the decision. Trust the universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That too. <laughs> I love that. Well, Pam, this was awesome um you are so incredibly strong i love your content i'm gonna put in the description where to find you but why don't you tell them what's your instagram what's your tiktok where can they find you um i think they're all the same um i think so (laughs) i'll put them all below anyway but in case you don't read it's it's pam campbell right it's pam i have a popular name because it's campbell so it's pam underscore campbell underscore coach Okay. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see her. You won't miss her um, when you type that in. Um, But Pam, thank you so much for uh, coming on here. And if you ever restart your podcast, we'll definitely have to do a marriages and relationships fail episode. I would love to. That'd be so fun. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. We'll see you guys in the next one.